You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Um. Okay. We're back with talking Knicks. Um. Free agency started this weekend. We got a good one for you. I'm here with Big Baby David and my brother Ken. So, hey guys, let's talk Knicks. All right, hasn't been too long. We've been we've been really churning out the pods recently. We had a couple draft previews. We had the actual draft, and now we're on to free agency already. So. I don't know if I need to ask you guys how you're doing, but I'll do it anyway. BBD, how are you? Greg, I'm doing great. Knicks are like, not to make it about the Knicks so quick, but they're kind of making me happy lately. Just I like kind of everything about this off season and everything that's that's going on. The season's coming soon. It's different. And then just personally, I, was, I, know, I spent the day watching football and then weekend stuff and yeah. Good. That sounds like a good weekend. Kenny? Mostly refreshing Twitter. Yeah, Hmm. there's a lot of refreshing Twitter and looking at your phone for someone to send you a tweet because they refreshed it faster than you did. Yeah, that's that's how how my life's been since since free agency started. Like, I was up way too late a couple nights just, like, refreshing, refreshing. And I'm sure I sent, I think I sent you guys the the Ibaka news last night at like 11:45 and it's like I'm I'm old enough now that I should have been sleeping at that point. But uh I mean, yeah, this weekend's was good. Greg and I went and shot around again and uh I remembered how to shoot a basketball, so that was cool. Uh and then today, yeah, same same as you BBD, just just watching some football. Good old American football and uh reading a book. Loser. Yep. That's what that's what I do with my nerd. Time. I'm pretty happy. I haven't been like burned by going to sleep somewhat early the last few nights because normally I feel like, especially during the free agent days, something happens overnight that's like kind of a big deal. And I think the only thing was like the Stephen Adams trade. That I think that's the only major thing I've like woken up to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so you guys weren't excited with- by my Baca news at eleven forty-five last night? Well, I, I was still awake at eleven forty-five. Ah, uh, I see. So that's not late to you, because that's super late to me. Like I usually go to sleep before that. I'm usually like in bed around then, but not like on. I guess not on the weekend. But uh, to be young, uh, to be young and in shorts. <laughs> Greg, how are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm well. I'm. I'm well. I shot around as well, and I, I lost. I think I went one and three in a horse. So I mean, we meet Kenny. Tried to. He was shooting from deep. He had some distance on his shots, and he was doing some NBA moves, which are weird. the 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 sprint into a pull up jumper is just tough. Kenny did a step back. I matched that one actually. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, so I don't. Pra- you just have to un, un. You have to unlearn how to play basketball in order to to do NBA moves. 
Yeah, I, I actually think about that a lot because uh, when I used to play one on one with Tom back before we were allowed to, we weren't allowed to hang out with people. Um, the off jumping off the wrong foot when taking a layup, like that's very effective, and that's something that I was taught not to do at all growing up. But like it's a thing that NBA players do, so maybe it's something like you have to learn how to do it and then do it right, and then you can do it wrong. I don't know. Uh, well, I, like Steve Nash's whole thing was like he'd spend. I might be making up that it's Steve Nash, but I remember there's something about him where yeah, every day in warmups he just practices like doing weird stuff, like the layups off the wrong foot or whatever. It's like I know I'm gonna make it with doing like the right mechanics, so I have to practice doing the wrong ones. Yeah, kind of makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. I don't me. think I should have learned that. But <laughs> yeah, it's we, not, it's we weren't ready for the adv- the advanced classes. But I mean, I guess I guess we can move on to talking about the Knicks. So I mean, first things first, the Knicks cleared house for the most part. They only exercised Reggie Bullock's option, which is was to be expected since he had the the most favorable contract. He's only making around four million dollars. And I mean, He's even the if they only don't, one that was like a lock. Yeah, we had we had thought that maybe they would bring back Alfred Payton and Taj Gibson, which they they cut both of those guys just because financially it didn't make sense to bring back those contracts that they had. Um, we thought emotionally it made sense to bring back Taj Gibson because we had Tibbs, but fortunately the front office. Wasn't too sentimental with Taj Gibson, so they just let him go, which made financial sense. We also ended up bringing back Alfred Payton, which we'll get to eventually, and uh, saved about $2 million by cutting him and then bringing him back on a cheaper contract. So, I mean... That's a teaser in the we'll business. S- I mean, I guess we'll just start with those two. We'll quick. We already know those guys, so it should be quick hitters. Kenny, what do yeah. you think about bringing back those two guys? Uh, yeah, Reggie, I think, like we said at the top, was a, a no-brainer, um, and I know I've said this before, but, like, he, because he was injured at the beginning of the last year with, uh, whatever, a, like, a herniated disc in his back or something like yeah. that, um, yep. he took such a ridiculous pay cut that it still made sense to, to bring him back, and, and the, the example I always say is that he took such a pay cut that we were able to sign Marcus Morris, who was our best player. So, like, that's how much yeah. of a pay cut he took to play for the Knicks last year. It's a good line. Yeah. So he had, yeah. and then I think he's he still was, on that same contract. Yeah, four point two mil for this year in salary cap. Yeah. So I think he was supposed to get like fifteen million, and then doctors told him he would never walk again. So the Knicks cut that <laughs> down to about four point two. Turns out he. He walked again, so yeah, against all back. odds. Against all odds, he walked again. Still working again, on that shooting stroke, but he's a three and deer kind of guy. Yeah, and that's a very movable contract, and for and I think that's going to be that's kind an of an expiring a, piece for no, like no money. Yeah, and he's a guy who like a good team might want, and I think that's going to be the theme with a lot of these players is like they're not. They're not stars, but they're pieces that could be useful on a good team, and you know, all of them are easily flippable. And none of them, besides Austin Rivers, who we'll talk about later in the episode, um, are like under contract for more than this year. And even Austin Rivers kind of isn't because his the last two years of his deal aren't guaranteed. So 
Yeah, the Reggie Bullock one, obvious. Good team, good good player, but uh, cheap contract. Flip him later, cool. If not, just his skill set is good to have around the young guys because he can create space, all that stuff. Yeah. All the things we're probably going to say about kind of everybody, like you just said. It's going to be a theme. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other guy I said we brought back, we caught Alfred Payton. He had a one-year $8 million contract with $1 million guaranteed. We cut that. So we only paid him the $1 million, and then we brought him back for one year, $5 million. So we saved $2 million at the process. And, I mean, we we were – all of us throughout free agency were looking at all the the point guards and, like, who's about to be the point guard of the New York Knicks? I guess we, we had talked about Fred Van Vliet, if he was going to be worth it. It seems like they, they didn't even really talk to him just because he seemed to be a lock to go back to, to the Raptors. Got four years, $85 million, so – that makes Especially sense to me to go the back Suns, there. Once the Suns got Chris Paul, it was like that was the other team that was really going to make a run at him. Like, yeah. I guess the Pacers, but yeah, it became kind of clear pretty quick he was going to go back to the Raptors and the Knicks backed out. Yeah, so then we were just looking at point guards, not knowing who it could possibly be. And um, we, we seemed to lose all of our options. I mean, did we even lose? I don't even know who we missed out yep. on. The other guy, DJ that, Augustine, DJ Augustine signed with the Bucks. That was about it. DJ Augustine. One, it, it felt like DJ Augustine was gonna happen, so I was I was surprised when you got like a multi year deal from the Bucks. But obviously, you take that over whatever the Knicks were gonna give you. I'm sure they didn't want to give him multiple years, and the Bucks might win the championship this year. So go back to the go to the Bucks, not back to them. Hasn't been there yet. Yeah, and the other guy that people were talking about was Jeff uh, Jeff Teague, who and both of them have previous ties to Tibbs, which seems to be what everyone bases all of their stuff on. Because again, this year the front office has not told anyone anything, so all people are just trying to find connections to people in the New York Knicks organization. And so they they mentioned Jeff Teague, and it's been and, working. Yeah, it worked with a draft because you know Toppin was the guy they were were speculating about, and then quickly as a Kentucky guy, and they have Kenny Payne. Um, but yeah, neither Jeff Teague nor DJ Augustine will be in a Knicks uniform to start the year next year, and probably not at all. I don't know why I acted like that was a thing. Yeah. Huh. But Teague, Teague did end up going to the Celtics, right? Yeah, not yep. still out there. So yeah, so yeah, we we brought back Alfred Payton, and you know he played again. He played solid basketball last year for the Knicks. Um, it wasn't particularly fun to watch, but I. Don't know that that's his fault. Uh, I think the Knicks just weren't a good team, and um, I'm going to blame a lot of it on Julius Randle being not particularly fun to watch. Um, so, I mean, his big, big problem is that he's not a very good shooter, and, you know, it would be better to have a point guard who could shoot, but, you know, for a year, $5 million, like, that's a very solid contract for a guy who's probably going to be our starting point guard. A star. Yeah, and he has. Started 36 games for us last year and was, you know, he was good. He was a, he was yeah. a professional. He looked like he knew what the offense was trying to do. So, one of our better yeah, players. He led the, bring him back. Jeez. He led the. He led the team in assists. So, when you were looking at this roster before we resigned him, there was there was no point guard at all on the team that that would distribute at least maybe. 
Dennis Smith Jr. is is was the most point guardy of people since he's had a triple double before. Uh, but even him, he's not really a, a distributor or a, a basketball player at this point. From what we saw last just remember year, remember Peyton second, averaged ten points, four point. Yeah, Peyton averaged ten points, four point seven boards, and seven point two assists. So, I mean. That's fine. Uh, and like like Kenny said, we wish he could shoot. But if he could shoot, then he would have gotten like a good contract from somebody. That's the other part of it. Yeah, so. And he also, I don't, I don't, I don't remember if he's like actually a good defender. But I don't know. Got a lot of steals. Led the team in steals with over one and a half per game and seventy total. So. I feel like he was he a serviceable generates player. Generates turnovers. Around. He tries, I think, and tries to shoot which might actually be a negative but really it's just the shooting that's the downside and given I mean, the we rest don't... of the roster you'd like to have a shooting point guard but given the guys available that kind of wasn't there i think the best shooter available i guess teague and augustine were like options and they can shoot better than Pey- peyton or there's like rondo rumblings but i think he still wants to be on teams that are trying to actually win and, and rondo also is a bad shooter so. He's a bad He's a shooter, bad. but his his like rates are higher than I thought they'd be for the last couple of years. But uh, he's a famously bad shooter. The, the other thing is that a lot of people on Twitter have pointed out uh, is that there just was a poor construction around Alfred Payton that did not allow him to play a good game, which was mostly around the fact that the Knicks didn't have much shooting and. At least next year, we're hoping to have some more shooting uh, with some of the guys that they brought in, and um, with hopefully some progression from the younger guys. So maybe that's that helps more him than last be a year. better player. Yeah. So maybe that's yeah, helpful. yeah. The, the yeah, like the line is like good teams would have Alfred Payton playing lineups where you can hide how bad he shoots, and the Knicks couldn't do that because they just had an entire team that really couldn't shoot besides Wayne Ellington. So. And Bullock, who was out for a good portion of the year. So hopefully now with, with the other signings, I think we're about to talk about, we'll be in a better position to have Peyton be more useful and the other players all will benefit from it. Yeah, and we don't remember hating Peyton from last year, which is says a lot about a member of last year's team. Plus, we had speculated that maybe they would pick up that $8 million option just bring them back. Even that wouldn't have so. been like unreasonable given the modern like NBA economy. I feel like eight years yeah. is kind of reasonable considering he's at least serviceable at every part of the game besides the shooting stuff. But Yep. So we'll accept Peyton back this year. Yeah. We we have no we're not pumped, but we're not upset about it. I mean, I guess I'll move on to our our marquee move. Maybe I don't know. The highest paid player that we signed is uh, Alec Burks. So He's uh, coming highest paid player so far. Alec Burks coming from the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. He started the season on the Golden State Warriors. Originally drafted by the Utah Jazz. So the Jazz back in the day ran the the Burks and Burke backcourt. Which didn't pan out. It sounded like a good idea. It didn't work out. Burks is he's more of a scoring guard. Um, he was like kind of the second best player on a playoff team at times for the, the 76ers last year. In game one, he scored 18. And Tobias Harris just was not very good all the time during that series. But 
He's a good player. I mean, he averaged 15 points last year, so that's good enough for me. Kenny, I'll I'll let you start with your your Burks takes. Yeah, and uh, like you said, he averaged 15 points per game last year, and that would have been third on the Knicks behind Julius Randle and Marcus Morris, who didn't actually end the season on the Knicks. So paying him, what are we paying him? $5 million? $6 million? I think he's six. Six. Six million. So paying him $6 million is kind of a ridiculously like cheap contract for a guy who projects to be one of our better players. Um, I think on a, a good NBA team, he's a good like uh, backup player. Uh, on our team, he's probably a starter. Uh, if not, he's, a, he's definitely going to get a, a decent amount of minutes. And again, this is another guy who, because he's an actual NBA player, on a very cheap contract, he's very flippable for anything at the deadline. And he shot yeah, 38, he, per, 38.5% from three and 88% from the line. So this guy can knock him down, which is what we need yeah. shooting with, with Peyton. And 41% after he went over to the Sixers. So when it, when he was playing on a team that like games mattered for, he still shot well, which is something. He, he's a guy... You like him as an off-ball shooter option, and you can like let him run the point a little bit. Obviously, you don't want to have him starting there or doing like extended stretches there. But if you need it, you can do it. He's not like an insane playmaker. The defense, I don't know what the advanced numbers say, but in my little bit of watching him and doing like a quick YouTube rabbit hole and stuff, like he's fine. Not a good defender, but like he's not going to be the reason your defense is bad. He tries, so I don't know. He's fine. I think he's fine on that end. And, that's all, and you're paying him for the shooting, which is what's going to be good. That's all we can ask for. And I'll, I'll note that last year he had a career year from from three almost. So in 2014-15, he shot 38.2 percent from three. In the 2015-16, he shot 40.5 percent from three. Both of those, he was he was making. Or he was shooting two and a half per game, so he hasn't really. He's not like a a, a three point specialist. He's, I'd I'd say he's more of an Aaron Aflalo type for for Knicks fans who have who have. I think that's the best comparison we're going to get. But last year he started up in the three, just like everybody else in the NBA has. So last year he, he shot a career high four point six attempts per game, and he was thirty eight and a half percent from three. So. I mean, seems to be evolving along with the the rest of the modern NBA. So I know Kenny has has fears of Thibodeau of not being able to do that. But if you have players who can do it, maybe Thibodeau's will be able to adapt as well. Yeah, it feels like we're trying to construct a roster that'll encourage him to focus on threes and stuff and all that. That, that would be ideal. Yeah. And kind of my last point on Burks and uh, what again. Uh, you've, I've read on Twitter is that they're focusing on character and everyone's saying that Alec Burks is a very high character guy. So uh, good good locker room presence was the, the phrase that, that got thrown out around a lot. And I know that you said the same thing about uh, Emmanuel Quickly coming out of Kentucky. So that seems to be uh, a recurring theme. They said the same thing about Ed Davis and then um, Ed Davis is no longer with the team. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we don't... We assume Alec Burks will be 
a scorer off the bench. That's my guess. I mean, he's only making six billion dollars, so again, not that much. Um, I assume RJ would be starting at the two. Is that that what we would assume? So I have no idea what the lineup's going to be, um, just because RJ could be play the two or the three, and then like I don't know what's happening with Knox. Is he still in the rotation? Is he a starter? Is he coming off the bench? Is he playing at all? I don't know. Uh, There's like a bunch of guys on the team that you could tell me any role you think they're going to play in and I'd believe you which which I which but which is kind of the same as what it was last year but it's better this time feels like it'll be watchable yeah I don't know Obi Toppin will make it fun to watch Obi Toppin and Mitchell will make it fun to watch but right now I'm assuming the people I have penciled in as starters are Mitchell Toppin RJ and Peyton and this is I'm still assuming and that that uh, Randall won't be on the team. Maybe that's a bad assumption, but that's my my assumption going forward. I'd, I'd assume if Randall is on the team, just at least to start the year, he will be starting. But I hope not. I don't want to watch any Julius Randall if I can avoid it. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll I'm sure we'll get to it. That and if. In a couple weeks, when we we have a better sense of if Randall is or is not on the team, I think it's it's very possible either way. I I, I can't speculate. We would like him to not be on the team, mostly because we drafted a power forward, and we would like him to to be the starting power forward out out of the gate without Randall there to to demand the ball. But I think that's all our takes on on Alec Burks, and that'll move us on to our. Other marquee-ish signing, Nerlens Noel, coming from the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's been there for the last two years, playing backup uh, center to Stephen Adams. Nerlens Noel also getting a, a one-year, $5 million deal. And Noel, coming out of high school, was one of the top recruits in the country. Um, picked pretty early in the draft by the Pelicans, I believe, and dra- and traded to the 76ers for Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, so he didn't really pan out. He, this guy is was a big part of the process. He was he's like the process before Joel Embiid, I would say. The, when he's they like first the started first pick in yeah, that series. Yeah, when, when they started the absolute teardown by trading Drew Holiday, who had been an all-star the previous season. So, he was also, I think, injured and missed parts of the first season, I think. I don't remember entirely. But, yeah, he hasn't really evolved into a superstar. He's just a solid backup center. Rebounds, dunks the ball, block shots. And, I mean, we got kind of a loaded front court at this point in time. We assume he'll be backing up Mitch at the five. Um, we've talked about possibly playing Toppin at the five at times and Randall is still on the team right now, so we'd like to see him at the five at times. So it'll be interesting to see Noel's role. So Kenny, what are you thinking about that signing? Yeah, and I think you nailed it. I think he's a, a solid backup center, um, and he's not a guy who has the skill set to move over to power forward. Um, from what I and I haven't watched a lot of Noel lately, but I've I've been reading up on him this afternoon, and from what I've what I've uh, seen. He's his uh, offensive game is pretty much limited to dunking, but he's a very good uh, defensive player um, and a good shot blocker. 
and they were saying that in the Oklahoma City in the playoffs uh, against the Rockets, uh, he was much more effective than Adams just because he was able to at least in a little bit guard the perimeter. So, and a, a lot of people in Oklahoma City were were sad to see him go. So that's a positive that that people from Oklahoma City uh, were fans of him. So again, a solid uh, backup center, and I think that's you know going to be his role. And again, a cheap contract for a useful player who played well enough in the playoffs that someone might want him. So again, flippable. Yeah, fits in with the theme of guys who. And we're, we've already begun the process of collecting 2023 second round picks. So he might be another guy we can flip for one later with how cheap he is and having had a good playoff run. He did take, my understanding is he took uh, a lot of steps forward just overall with OKC last year. How much of that, maybe that's part of that can be a benefit, be like a benefit of having Chris Paul on the team, which we don't have anymore. Um, Cause he kind of helped everybody there. But he his blocks per game jumped up. His, just everything looked a lot better for him. So yeah, gonna be a useful backup for us, I think. And it looked like it was gonna be that was it was the first move that was that we've done that was like kind of like you raise a little bit of an eyebrow, like oh that's surprising. And you see the salary number and you don't care anymore. But because we'd gotten Ed <laughs> Davis, who's now no longer on the team, and it makes more sense. But also, and there's the and a lot will open up of Julius Randall's roster and yeah uh, it's kind of tough because we want to see randall and top and play center more than i think they're going to but if randall's not the team that opens up a lot of time for guys we'd much rather watch yeah and so nerland's average 7.4 points 4.9 rebounds and 1.5 blocks and a steal in 18 and a half minutes on oklahoma city so that's pretty. That's a lot of production and not a lot of time. And like you said, maybe Chris Ball had a lot to do with that, but with the, the scoring at least. And he shot 68.4% from the field. So like Kenny said, there's probably a lot of dunking going on. It's a lot like what Mitchell Robinson did when he set the NBA record for field goal percentage in a season. So we'll see what he does. And I just wanted to confirm to you guys that Nerlens tore his ACL at Kentucky, so then he missed the entire first season of mm. his career with the Philadelphia 76ers, and then they picked Embiid, and he did the same thing. Well, not the torn ACL, but missed the first two missed seasons of year. his career. And that's what like, yeah, the process he, was. Yeah, and he, like, because <clears throat> he was going to be, like, a top three pick in that draft, which was, that was, like, the Anthony Bennett draft, so maybe he still should have been top three. But, um... But yeah, then he fell because of the torn ACL thing, and Sixers got him, or the Pelicans flipped him to the Sixers, but they got him at six, which I think was unexpected. Probably helped them facilitate the Drew Holiday thing. Don't remember the details of how that trade went down. It was sixteen. Yeah, you remember enough. I remember. I remember the Sixers. I think they made the playoffs, and then so they were like on the up and up because they had were like a young team with Drew Holiday and Evan Turner. You thought that was progressing, and then they just did that, and they traded their all-star point guard for Nerlens Noel. And I remember Evan Turner tweeting out, Drew just got traded, question mark, which was funny because it was just like, we just traded our best player, so that would just happen. Very confused because that just shows you how NBA players, a lot of time they don't really know what's going on. 
There's no way to predict that was going to happen. They're doing the same thing as us. Just click and refresh. Exactly. I guess that'll bring us to our last marquee signing of Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers, number one recruit coming out of college, or high school, sorry. Went to Duke, hit a shot over Tyler Tyler Zeller, I think. That was famous in the Duke-North Carolina rivalry. You still see highlights of that today. So he's coming to the game. He's mostly been a shooting guard. He could play a, a tiny bit of point guard, I think. I don't know if he's played that position in years. I just know that he has played it before in the NBA. But he's mostly a scoring type guard as well. So it would be interesting to see how he goes. So his contract is three years, $10 million. And we've been told that the second and third years of that deal are non-guaranteed. We don't know if that means they're entirely non-guaranteed, but for per- our purposes, we're going to assume that that's what it means. So it's a cheap deal. I mean, we're talking about $4 million max for a guy who you know was like one of the five players that Mike D'Antoni was willing to put into a basketball game for the Houston Rockets. So that's something. Again, he's a, he's a shooting guard, which we don't know what's going on in the position. We drafted quickly. We have Frank. We signed Burks. Now we have Austin Rivers. So maybe they'll all be sharing the floor at the two and three, and we'll be going small a lot of the time. I, I don't know. Kenny, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'd, like I said at the top, man, none of these guys are stars, but they're all NBA players. And this is just such a cheap contract that, like, I don't, I feel like I'm missing something. And again, having the having two non-guaranteed years at the end, like, I, I feel like I'm missing something because I don't know why yeah. Austin Rivers would do that. Like, why wouldn't if he's not guaranteed? Like, why would he take this contract? So I think that's good for us because I think he's again an, an NBA player who can who can actually play on a, a normal team. He'd be. Uh, solid backup player but on the Knicks he's gonna be potentially a starting or uh fighting for a starting position so it's a it's a good contract play substantial minutes which I guess maybe is it I don't understand how like why he's taking this deal because he's been on like good teams the last few years so and the Knicks as much as it'll be a better watch than last year maybe they're not gonna make the playoffs or anything Hey, we didn't give him like that. I don't, but it's a very educated guess. Uh, it doesn't doesn't need to be that educated. But um but and we also aren't like committing a lot of money to him. So yeah. I don't know, is it just like because we'll be able to promise him playing time? Uh so that's the thing I was thinking for these other contracts, like Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel, is like maybe they saw what like Marcus Morris did and to a lesser degree like the other guys like Bobby Portis who came in and played like well enough to get their next contract Marcus Morris more so than than Bobby Portis but and then they thought hey I can go to the Knicks there's not really that many like people in my way for playing time so I can go there prove myself and then get a new contract which is why I don't understand the two extra years on the Austin Rivers because if that's what he was doing then it, that that completely defeats the purpose because if he plays well, then he's still going to be on the hook we'll just, for, with we'll the just Knicks. Pick those up. Yeah, exactly. I th- 
I think I'll speculate with with no no knowledge on the on the contract deals, but I I'm gonna guess that it's front loaded, so the the first year will be worth more than the next two years. I don't know that again, pure speculation. So the guaranteed year would be worth more than non guaranteed years. And just so you guys know, Austin Rivers is coming off a a two year deal that was worth four and a half million dollars with the second year being a player option that he declined. So he was only making about a little over $2.2 million for the Rockets, which is about the minimum. So this is, yeah, I think players, I think Austin Rivers is more of a name that you associate with being, being decent. So you think he could get a good deal, but I think players like Austin Rivers are kind of a dime a dozen, which is why he's, he's only getting this kind of deal. Austin Rivers averaged 8.8 points per game last season with only 2.6 rebounds and 1.7 assists. So he's not – he's like a, a scoring guard who doesn't really score that much, who you wouldn't have be – who you wouldn't feature. So he's just he's just a guy. He's in your rotation. Like, but like you said, team. he was a guy on the Rockets that, like, they actually played in the playoffs. He's a guy that they trusted to play in the playoffs, which, like, means he can play in the NBA. Two so. two years ago, in um, he he was on the Rockets in in the playoffs. Assuming I grabbed the right games to do this with, is ten games and he shot forty six percent from three on three and a half attempts per game. He played twenty one and a half minutes per game. Like he was like a good like a good role player for a team that like took the Warriors to six or seven games or whatever, however long that series went. Like, yeah. like, like you said, I, I feel like I'm just missing something. Yeah, maybe I just completely misjudge how much players should make, but like this just seems like so little. And like you said, he's a, he's a pretty good shooter for his career. He shoots 34.8%, which is a solid three-point shooter, which will you know help him in play uh, or help this next team, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, thirty-four point eight is okay. It's not. It's a shade under thirty-five, which I I don't know. I'd rather he shot better, but yeah, I mean, he's good enough. Just he fits the bill, just like everybody else. But like I'm saying, I think that that scoring guard off off the bench is just not not worth as much as we always think it should be, unless you're Jordan Clarkson when you get. $50 $50 million to do it. But Jordan Clark is also the best player in the NBA, so it's a little <laughs> <Yeah>. bit different. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So At the end of the day, the Knicks got a 28-year-old guard who's been a useful player on good playoff teams for a little more than the minimum. Yeah, and like, so... We'll be able to flip that to, for something. Again, this seems to be like what the Knicks did last year, except last year they overpaid all of the players, and this year it seems like they're just giving them really low contracts. But it's all like one-year contracts, non-guaranteed uh, extra years, and then like potentially flip them if they play well enough to that a contender might want them for their team. So like it's all, again, the possibility of trying to, to build up assets for the future. And here in the yeah. early stages of like the Leon Rose, Brock Aller, those whole groups, like R- Rain running the Knicks. 
it does feel like they're not like leaving any opportunities to get value out of guys unturned. Like they're gonna hold out and see if they can get a second for you or whatever. Like we, we just saw them do it with Ed Davis. They could have like Austin rivers was the 15th roster spot. If they wanted to clear the spot, they could have just cut Ed Davis. So they do this Timberwolves trade and get another second out of it. And so that's, they're doing good stuff. That let's talk about Ed Davis for a second cuz I don't understand what happened cuz we got two second round picks to take Ed Davis and then someone else gave us a second round pick and two other players for Ed Davis. Like I don't know were those salary dumps cuz like both of them are making 2 million dollars next year so unless there's something I, I don't know about the yeah. Timberwolves situation like it doesn't seem like much of a salary dump it, for Utah yeah. it was it was a salary dump cuz like if they they're trying to like take another step and don't need him there for the money he's making though he's only making 5 million I'm shocked they gave us two second rounders to take him off for, off their hands but I am not going to Yeah so Utah Utah traded Utah traded Ed Davis to the Knicks for two 2023 second round picks. Um, so we we were happy about that. We had all of this cap space, and we've been hoping to to take on a bad contract and get something in return. I mean, this really wasn't that bad of a contract, but Ed Davis was injured for most of last season, and he was making $5 million. And I think the Jazz are, are trying to cut down on, on salary. Or I mean, they they just signed Donovan Mitchell to his big extension, and I think they were about to they parent Conley. And this is his last year of his deal, so they may have been into the tax at this point or creeping up on it. So they were just yeah. trying to dump dump five million dollars for a guy who didn't even play for them, and then they re, they re-signed Derek Favors from the Pelicans, who has been a former Jazz great. So. They just needed to clear up a roster spot, clear up some dollars, and bring back their guy, Derek Favors. And we were happy to help them do that for the price of two 2023 second-round draft picks, which the Knicks seem to be valuing more than everybody else in the NBA for, for whatever reason. I guess we'll find out in three years. And then af- after that move, earlier today, we found out that the Knicks were trading Ed Davis to the Timberwolves in exchange for Omari Spellman, Jacob Evans in another second round pick. So I'm not exactly clear, like Kenny mentioned on on the salary. Um, so Bobby Marks tweeted out that the Knicks were essentially buying a second round pick for about three million dollars in this deal. I don't. I'm looking at the numbers. I don't see where that number is coming from. Just because Ed Davis makes five million and those two guys make about four million dollars combined. So I I don't know what that means. Uh, I guess I oh. trust whatever way he crunched the numbers because he's the guy who's supposed to know it. But I don't know yeah, how he did I, it. But we could trust sure. him, I guess. It doesn't make sense to me. It's tweeted us and tell us. But if one of you understands out there, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess Timberwolves just like wanted a veteran big man around and. So they gave us a second for him. Basically, the Knicks just pulled off a great finesse and just turned used Ed Davis without having him play a, a single minute for us. Turned him into three second round picks and two recent first round picks. Kind of neat. Jacob yeah, Evans, I don't think will matter, but 
Stallman has been like a useful NBA player, I think. The numbers are, look kind of good. Yeah, and Spellman and Jacob, Kenny mentioned this to us before the podcast. Spellman and Jacobs were both salary dumps from the Warriors in the D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins trade. They just had to get rid of those contracts to avoid paying the tax that was associated with them since they're so far above the tax and they've been repeat offenders since for a while now, since the second year of Durant, I believe they, they were in the tax. So yeah. now, that, now they're paying a big, big premium. So I guess we could talk about these guys. Jacob Evans was a, a second round or a, or a late first round pick by the Warriors. He was he's like a two guard, six six. He hasn't really done much in the NBA. He was a you know he's a good player on a Cincinnati team that won the American Athletic Conference that UConn was in. So he he, he led the team in scoring with thirteen points per game. Kind of did it all, um, but you know six six guy. There's, I don't really have much to say about him. He hasn't done anything in two years in the NBA, so we don't know that he'll be around much longer just because right now the Knicks currently have 16 players on the roster and he seems to be the odd man out. does feel like the easiest guy to just wave. but Yeah, and I mean, the more I'm thinking about it, the more and more likely it is seeming that like possibly both of these guys might not be Knicks for very long, but... Um, for sure, I, I can't even remember his name. Who we were just talking about? Jacob Evans. Jacob Evans seems like the most likely. Uh, if they if they stay, you know, with this number of people, he seems like the most likely to to get cut. Just because Omari Spellman does have a little more um, promise and and potential to him. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. What did Jacob Evans do? And so the Knicks currently, I'll, I'll just say the Knicks currently have 16 players on your roster. I think you're allowed to have 20 during the offseason, so that's why it's not a problem. We'll get down to 15. In order to get down to 15, they'd have to cut someone. And based on the 16 players they currently have, we believe that person would be Jacob Evans. But, again, they're not done making moves, we don't think, because they have a lot of salary cap left as well. But, I mean, before we get to the salary cap, I'll just quickly talk about Amari Spellman. Spellman averaged 7.6 points per game and 4.5 rebounds last year for the Warriors in 49 games. Then he got traded to the Timberwolves, and I guess he didn't play for the Timberwolves. I don't know if he was injured or if they just didn't like uh, him. He played in the G League, and, again, he was another guy after I heard the news. Like I went, He went to Villanova, so I know a lot about him from college. Um, but... He went to the G League, and it seemed like a lot of Timberwolves fans were asking why, um, because he's a useful backup big, and the Timberwolves were awful. Uh, so he's he's I thought he was bigger, but apparently he's six eight, six nine. Um, but he plays like a big, and he's a very good uh, shooter for a big, um, and he's you know an all around good backup um, backup. Uh, Big man who can uh, rebound, play good enough defense on the perimeter, and can black some shots. But like, I, I don't know. I think he's he's gonna be he could be a very solid player for the Knicks. But they have a kind of log jam in the in the front court. Yeah, and yeah, it'll he, be a- he shot what four 
39% from three last year with Golden State, only two attempts per game. But, hey, yeah, from a, from it, it helps what the Knicks are trying to do overall, just having more shooting and spacing and stuff as, like, your third guy in that rotation. Sure. Like, he can play a, a power forward role next to, like, yeah. Mitchell Robinson because he has the ability to to stretch the floor and also kind of bang in the post if you need him to. Um, I don't know how much I I trust him against a you know a quicker wing, but you know for against a slower guy or if he's if he's down in the post, he's he's solid. And then just um, just for reference, because I'm always like to bring back the Villanova um, Udoka Azabuki, who just got drafted, I think 27th by the Jazz. Um, if you go back to the 2018 Final Four, um, you get you can see where Omari Spellman really shines. And in that game, he just absolutely exposed Azabuki's inability to guard the perimeter because he was playing center for Villanova and Azabuki was playing center for Kansas. And like, he just refused to step outside the paint. And I think uh, I think Spellman hit like four threes in the first half. And then after that, Villanova went on to set the record for most threes in a game in, in, the, um, post- or in the tournament that game. So exciting stuff, but... Just, just trying to prove the point that Spellman is a guy who can who can spread the floor as a big man. And I'll mention that the Knicks are Spellman's fourth team in three seasons. He got drafted by the Hawks in the first round originally, traded for uh, Damian Jones. Damian Jones, right? Damian Jones, not Damian James. Damian Jones to the Warriors. So Hawks were, were willing to kind of give up on him pretty quickly. Uh, then... You know, like I mentioned, salary dumped to the Timberwolves for Andrew Wiggins. And now he's a a salary dump or a, a trade for Ed Davis. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of a lot of love for this guy. There's been three teams who have already given up on him for, for not much. So maybe the Knicks want him. Maybe the Knicks just wanted a second-round pick. Yeah, and maybe... So. Maybe they see a potential for for another flip because, like BBD said, he was a first round pick just a couple years ago. Um, so potentially, if someone else sees the value in in what he does, maybe that's another second round pick. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when they need to like have the roster be at the right number. I assume it's pretty soon because I think the I mean, training camps in within the next two weeks here. So. Got a couple weeks to figure it out, see if somebody wants him, wants him or Evans, or I don't even know who else is flippable on the team right now. I don't remember what the trade rules are. But uh, I think yeah. February 6th is the date. Like February 6th is the date we can start trading guys that we just signed. Nice. I assume, I assume the deadline will be pushed back this year. This is information that's probably Googleable. <laughs> Hey, who knows? Who cares? So, we have Spellman and J- Jacob Evans for now. We don't know if either will stay, but welcome to New York. We appreciate having you. Thanks for thanks for the second round pick, Timberwolves. Uh, only a couple more things left. Um, so after that trade, and after signing Austin Rivers, the Knicks have about twenty million dollars left. Um, Bobby Marks at 18, but the Knicks also have like the room exception, the room middle level exception that doesn't count against the cap, which is for $4.7 million. So 
I don't know if when they say Alfred Payton got five million or Nerlens Noel got five million, if they're just rounding up from that four point seven million dollar number, so that wouldn't be included in our salary cap. So I don't know. So maybe there's somewhere between eighteen million and twenty two million dollars of salary cap available, which means that we don't think the Knicks are done doing something. So either they're going to carry that money into the season and then hope that someone is trying to dump salary to get under the luxury tax after realizing that their hopes are dashed or something. So maybe the Knicks could also end up being a team that facilitates to the extent they can't get in on a big name star, they can be the team that helps facilitate the move of a big big time star with their cap space and take on assets for playing that role. Yeah, we can be the team that takes the bad contract, take a dump. <laughs> yeah, just what we've wanted to do for a while. Yeah. Uh, and we also we also could still do something this off season. We don't we don't know. It's, it seems it would make sense that the Knicks wouldn't just leave $20 million of cap space unused. But just as a note, the Knicks had the lowest salary number last season. So we're on pace to do that again this season. And so, I mean, showed. that kind of ex- that kind the of excuses the product. There is a little bit of big news. Robert Randolph does say the big de- deal is still coming. Hashtag Knicks. So. Oh, Robert Randolph. I don't know who Robert Randolph, Robert Randolph is. tweeted tweeted something like He's a couple the guy days who's ago. Been tweeting stuff. Oh, is he the guy who's wrong every time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I haven't noticed him say something right yet. So, no, I think there was a conversation among Nick's Twitter, just like noting that everything he says is wrong. So, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know if that was him. Yeah. That was someone. If it wasn't you, Robert, kinda, I'm sorry. You kind of got to respect that, though. No, I'm pretty sure he is the guy we've been laughing at in the group chat. So Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I think he is. So there's 18, we'll just say there's $18 million left to do something with. And we, I assume that some amount of that money will be used before the season, which would make sense just because that's what the salary cap something. is for. And if you're if you're the New York Knicks... Spend the money that you have. I, I don't know. Either yeah. the, or like Kenny said, we could try to facilitate a trade. Russell so Westbrook I, for Julius Randle is still an option, I guess. <laughs> but I don't even know if the the Rockets have there. said they're willing to get uncomfortable. Um, then that means that they would be willing to just start the season with Harden and with Westbrook still. So their only other option seemed to be to trade. Westbrook to the Hornets, and the Hornets just signed Gordon Hayward for four years, one hundred twenty million dollars. So, I assume that's not that'll be that's a no longer an option. Off now. Yep. And Robert and we Randolph thought about getting Hayward. As you say, Robert Rand- getting Hayward, and we didn't. So now, yeah, Kenny, you could talk. Hayward got a ridiculous amount of money that I'm glad we didn't get. But um, I opened up Twitter after BBD said that, and Robert Randolph is the guy that people are constantly joking about never being right. And the first thing that popped up is JB, formerly of Nick's Film School, uh, tweeting, quote tweeting him saying that the big deal is still coming. And JB says, looks like the Knicks are done making any major moves. <laughs> so he is the guy. That's a good line. And that's not bad. Yeah. So there's not much left. The one final thing I'll mention is after the draft, we signed Miles Powell out of Seton Hall. 
an undrafted free agent to uh, an Exhibit Ten contract, according to Nick's film, or to J- according to JB, and probably according to the internet. He probably just googled <laughs> it before I did, and I accepted him as my source, even though he he's definitely not the original source of that information. But I'll credit him nonetheless. So. Exhibit 10 just means that you get more money if you sign with our G League team after you get cut. So Yeah, I never know what any of those mean until someone tells me, and then I forget it again pretty immediately. So Yeah, it's, it's not important. It'd be like you'd have to care about G League contracts. So the yeah. Knicks... Which, go ahead. Which I don't know why you would care about G League contracts. So the Knicks um, rookie class consists of the National Player of the Year, the SEC Player of the Year, and Miles Powell, the Big East Player of the Year. That's fun. Well, and Kenny, you're, you're a Big East guy, so why don't you give us a quick rundown of Miles Powell because he's a possible guy you'll, we'll see on a two-way contract. Miles um, Powell is he's just a bucket getter. Uh, I think his his scoring average actually went down this last year, and I think so did his shooting percentages. But last year he shot um, well from three. Uh, I don't have his stats in front of me, but um, this past year I think it was just a lot more um, difficult shots he was taking, which resulted in him not uh, shooting particularly well. I read uh, an article from Dana O'Neill um, about him after the Knicks signed him, and uh, she was saying going into his freshman year he was just like very overweight and couldn't dunk, and then since then he's just been – that wasn't the main part of the story, but – it was mentioned. Uh, but since then, he's just been uh, a very hard worker. He's still got a little bit of a, a little bit of, of girth to him. Um, kind of like the, the old, not quite the old school Khalid Alamine, but you get the picture. But he's a, he's a bucket getter. He can, he can score. And the Knicks have a lot, of, a lot of those guys off the bench, but he's another one. So yeah, Take a shot. he averaged 21 points, 21 points per game last season, 23.1 points per game as a junior. So like Kenny said, he he scores the basketball. I mean, he only shot a little bit under 40% from the field last season, but I assume he was the focus of of the defense for Seton Hall. And he still won Big East Player of the Year, as Kenny mentioned, so obviously wasn't that too big of a problem. This guy that people on Twitter tweeted about liking and wanting as an undrafted guy as an undrafted free agent before we actually did it so cool we get to get a look at him in training camp which is fine and most importantly i looked up when his birthday is he's one day older than me so that that exists what are you doing with your life bbd i got time i got plenty of time yeah I'll just catch up by tomorrow. Yeah. All right. So, no, did I miss anything? Is there anything else we need to talk about? Hey, any final thoughts? That's all the news. Yeah, that was all the news. I think we covered it because, like, it this time I wrote I wrote everything down that we were going to cover, and then I read it, so we didn't miss anything. Whereas usually we just Huge. go for it. We usually just go for it. I don't know if you guys can tell listening that we just go for it most of the time. Well, usually the Knicks don't do enough that we're going to really forget something. But this time, forgetting something was a a real option. So it's good that we did it. Yeah, I mean, we usually forget 
we usually forget to talk about Kevin Knox, but right now we don't. We didn't need to talk about Kevin Knox this episode, so that's why we didn't. We'll forget about Kevin Knox plenty down the road. So, yeah, <laughs> not too. Worried. All right, I think we had a lot of fun here. I think this is a productive episode of Talking Knicks. So, I mean, subscribe to us, I guess. I haven't said that in a while. Throw us some five-star reviews. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Jake was back last week, and he did this this rundown at the end that I forgot was a thing. So, yeah, yeah maybe, do that. Maybe make a comment or tweet us whether if you figure out what that, uh, that buying a pick for $3 million from Bobby Marks means because I don't get it either. I just looked into it after you mentioned it. Would like to know. And if you want to tweet at us and just tell us how how we're going to get rid of Randall and open up rotation minutes and stuff and just have more fun watching the Knicks by not watching him do spin moves into three defenders and losing the ball. Do a barrel roll. That'd be huge. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> this was good. You can honestly just tweet us and talk to us about anything Knicks-related. <laughs> I got to add that caveat. So... I mean, have a good night, everybody. Go Knicks. Knicks take.